Good morning. Welcome to Mechanicsville Baptist Church. It's uh, good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning with us. We welcome you here today to be a part of this worship service. And if you are a guest, we would love for you to take out that guest tab that's in the bulletin and fill it out and place it in the offering plate so that we can get your information to tell you uh, what God's doing here at Mechanicsville Baptist and how you can be a part of what God is doing here. And if you are that special guest, we give you a special welcome, and we are so delighted that you are here with us to worship God today. Uh, If you look at the back of your bulletin, we just have a couple of announcements. Uh, Youth, of course, we meet tonight 6 to 8, and worship team will meet at 6.30 on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday we have a regular morning prayer meeting at 11, and then youth will be meeting again from 6 to 8. Uh, Also, I want to elaborate on something that Morgan Luck talked about last week during uh, our Youth Sunday service, which uh, I was very pleased with that. Thank you to all of you who came and supported our students. They did a wonderful job, and I'm so proud of them and the work that they did. Uh, But Morgan is doing something called Housing Families First, and I believe uh, there's a PowerPoint up there about that. And uh, it's an, an organization that Morgan is passionate about, and they house families who need assistance and who need help. And the way that you and I can be a part of this is by giving donations to these families. You can uh, give a donation of those kinds of needs, uh, toilet paper cups, uh, laundry soap, those kinds of things, and uh, wrap that up in a box and get those supplies together and then you can bring them here to the church. Uh, We have a box in the back of the vestibule, and we have a box in the Family Life Center. And if you uh, just go to Walmart or uh, whatever store you shop at and uh, put these needs in that container, in that box, then place it um, in the boxes that we have back here, that would be uh, so appreciative and so great for us to help uh, Morgan do. She is very passionate about this. Uh, She has a heart for people who are homeless. She has a heart for people who have needs. Um, and at 15 years old, that's, uh, that's pretty cool to have a passion and a heart uh, for other people and for helping others. So we ask that you would uh, take a part in this. I believe there are donation sheets in the back here and also in the Family Life Center. And um, I will probably print out more of those and we will have those back there uh, for the next couple of weeks. So please... Uh, We encourage you to be a part of that. And now uh, I believe we have a Vacation Bible School uh, announcement from Judy. Don't worry, it's over. (laughs) But that's what I wanted to talk with you about. There's just not enough room in the touchstone um, or enough time here for me to mention every name of our church family who was involved in VBS this year. But as a first-time director, I can tell you that without the help, love, and support of my church family, I would have crumbled. I would have been completely overwhelmed. I am so grateful for prayer, number one, for every hand that came up to the church at no matter how small the task, for putting up a blown-down VBS sign on the front lawn, for the youth that went out into the community and, and um, gave out flyers and talked to people about coming to Bible school. Um, Bill Blackwell did the same thing. 
those of you that gave up your vacation weeks, those of you that came after working all day, uh, those of you that set up, cleaned up, um, and just provided general support, fed the kids, fed the workers, ran a station, helped with crafts. I can't think of everything because there's so much. Um, building the sets, staying till 11 o'clock and putting everything back together on the last night. I love you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I want you to see, uh, for those of you that weren't able to be there, I want you to see some of the things we did and how much fun we had.
failed to mention this in the first service, but um, on Friday morning, uh, Tom Metz, who uh, used to sit right back there and I was a member of this church for many years, passed away uh, Friday last Friday morning. He had been sick for some time, and um, he passed away. And uh, we would just uh, ask for you to keep Doris in your prayers and the family uh, in your prayers. He was such a dear man, and I think he probably painted every room and every uh, wall in this church. Uh, so keep them in prayer. Uh, his visitation, I believe, will be tomorrow from 5 to 8 at Bennett's, and then at 11, his funeral will be here Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock. So we just wanted to pass that information along to you and ask that you would keep Doris and the family in your prayers. Let's bow before the Lord and go to prayer. Father, we thank you for life, and Lord, we also thank you for death, because for the Christian, death means going into the arms of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for Tom Metz and the fact that he is in the arms of Jesus today, and pray for Doris and for the family that, God, your comfort, your peace would be upon them. We thank you for the life that you give here on earth through Jesus Christ, your Son. And we ask, Father, that we would lift up the name of Jesus today as we go into this service. May we praise you with our mouths. May we praise you by our actions. May we praise you by the message that we listen to and we hear this morning. God, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive the word you have for us. And I pray, God, that we would leave from this place and we would proclaim the gospel and live out the gospel in our lives. Bless this service, Father, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this room, that your Holy Spirit would move within hearts, and that hearts would be moved closer to Jesus today. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who died and rose again for us so that we may have life. Thank you, God, for Jesus, in whose name do we pray. Amen. Would you please take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 390? We're going to stand and sing together. We are called to be God's people. When Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, he wanted them to know how they could be one. One with him because he was one with the Father. And so as a way to remind and remember, he gave them the bread and the cup. And he wanted them to know that what he was about to do was for them. 
they were a little slow coming along, weren't they, if you read the scripture? They didn't understand why he had to do what he had to do. And yet, in that room, on that evening, he took something that was very ordinary and made it extraordinary. He took bread and he took the cup. And he showed them a way to remember. And on August the 14th, 2016, in this sanctuary, we remember him today. And we are one with him as we receive his body and his blood. And so on the same night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had broken it and blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, For as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had eaten, he took the cup and said to them, This is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, the scripture teaches, you show show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many wonderful things you do for us each and every day of our lives. And now it's time for us to give back a portion of what you have so richly blessed us with. And I pray that you will bless this offering and use it to help others learn more about Jesus Christ and that he gave his life for us so that we may have eternal life. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
This morning, I just want to take just a few moments to talk about the Family Life Center. And as you know, we have a construction project going on over there with the roof and with making some repairs. And uh, Betty uh, did a challenge last week, and she did a wonderful job. And uh, I just wanted to give another challenge on the Family Life Center. And just, uh, just to encourage you to prayerfully consider continuing to donate to this project because the Family Life Center serves in so many capacities for our church. Uh, for starters, you know, it houses the first service, and I can remember when the first service was in here uh, about 10 years ago or so, and about six years ago, they decided to move it into Family Life Center, and that service has just blossomed and grown uh, since moving it over there and being able to use the resources in that building. We have seen uh, that service grow, and people come to be a part of our body of believers through that service, and that has uh, certainly been a blessing, but it's also been a multi-purpose room. And I know as youth pastor serving this summer and then three summers ago, uh, I've had the privilege of using that building with our students. And it's nice to have an area where you can do multiple activities and we can have the Sunday school room to have something more uh, somber, more intimate, but yet we can go downstairs into the gym and have a bigger space to be able to do activities and have events and gather uh, for fellowship and have lock-ins. And uh, the only thing I would encourage us to do now is put a mattress king in there uh, for lock-ins because I greatly could use one for, for the lock-ins in there. But, uh, you know, it serves in that capacity with our students being able to use that area. And then the daycare, how we started that ministry nearly 20 years ago and how God has continued to bless that ministry in that building through the daycare and who knows how many young children have come to Christ and been impacted by the love of Christ through that ministry that we have done here. And another thing that that building serves uh, such a great purpose for is with funerals and being able to invite families to come back and eat lunch. And uh, I know four years ago uh, we lost a family member, uh, Miss Blake, and, uh, you know, we had so many different things to do that day of the funeral. We had the funeral here and then you know, going to the cemetery after that, and there's so much emotion that comes with that, and it was so just refreshing to be able to come back and eat lunch and be with uh, all the family members and the friends that had come for her service and to see how this church served our family personally through that ministry. And I would just challenge you to, again, prayerfully consider giving to this project because uh, this building means so much to this church ever since it was built, and God has used it in so many different ways to minister to people as well as uh, minister to the lives of outside people through uh, different things like Caritas and to see how the Lord has impacted our church through that building. So I just wanted to give you that challenge, and I pray that you would consider that this morning. Now Tim is going to come for our pastoral prayer. I have two things to add, one to add and one to tell you. Uh, the one to add is uh, I can't give you a completely accurate account of how much has come in since our business meeting because Martha has been on vacation for two and a half weeks, and uh, she went with Brenda. And Brenda's back, and we're delighted to have Brenda back. They went on an Alaskan cruise, and uh, she got in last night late, and so if she falls asleep during the sermon... We won't talk about her 
at least in here. Okay, so, but we're delighted to have Brenda back. And uh, anyway, because of that, we haven't been able to access e-giving uh, because we uh, just, we could, but we didn't because we want one person to be in charge of that. And, um, but as of Friday, with the deposit that Karen made, uh, we, have, uh, we have reduced that 76000 amount that we need to begin the project to 55000 So we have collected $21,000 in about two weeks. Um, so we're grateful for that. Um, so we're making our way toward what the church voted to do, and that is to um, close the gap of $76,000 to sign the contract and begin the project. So I uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. The second thing I'm delighted to tell you is that John will be staying with us a while longer. Uh, he uh, is going to continue as our interim youth minister. Uh, I have spoken with uh, personnel committee chair as well, a uh, team chair as well as uh, stewardship team. And John's classes at Wake Forest, uh, in Wake Forest, North Carolina, which is two and a half hours from here, not Winston-Salem, but Wake Forest, uh, are only on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And so he's going to continue as our interim, as he feels led, and keep himself open to things that may come available to him down there. But uh, we will continue to uh, enjoy John's presence with us, and I'm grateful that he has agreed to stay on as our interim, and I know you are as well, so I wanted to announce that to you this morning. And we will pray for him as he travels to and fro, but um, we've had discussions about it and he's agreed to do that uh, I told him we need him more than he needs us but we are delighted that he's staying with us um, uh, in the interim let's bow for prayer gracious Lord as we come before you we have thanksgiving in our hearts for the gift of grace and for the power that it gives to us as we receive it in faith we're thankful, Father, for every opportunity to be together in your house. We're thankful for the power of prayer. We pray, Father, that you will bless our work in this place as we constantly look to you. We pray, Father, that you'll be with those who are ill. We are grateful for those who have come through surgery. We pray for those, Father, who are facing surgery. We pray for those who have lost loved ones. We know, Father, that you are working in their lives, that you are ministering to them, that you bring healing and hope in sometimes very difficult situations. Thank you, Father, for the power of your word and for the hope that it brings into our lives, for the strength that comes from knowing that we are loved by you. We pray, Father, that you will bless our missionaries around the world as they give of their time and of their talents to minister in the name of Jesus Christ in sometimes hostile places. We pray that you will supply their needs as they share the good news. We're grateful, Father, for our time together. Bless us as we open your word in a few moments. We give thanks for the many blessings. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering and all Love is way too much to give us lesser things. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know your name? What if trials of this life? Trials of this life. 
Well, we can all agree that it's hot outside, I believe. 105 to 109 heat index today. But wouldn't you agree that it's a little bit cooler in here? I'm setting you up. You know that. It's a quarter till. So I'm going to keep you in the cool till after 12 o'clock today, okay? Um, because we have a lot to do today. Um, so I hope that you uh, will be comfortable in here before you uh, go back outside. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave, gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The total impression of this passage from Ephesians is that Christ has a goal a supreme standard for his church, and that goal is so high, so exalted, that it taxes the imagination to comprehend it. Nonetheless, here and now, in the body of this flesh, we are to strive to attain it. Specifically, this passage lists, leaves three impressions on the mind and heart. First, Christ has given us the grace whereby we may reach the goal. Keep that in mind. Christ gives us the grace in order to reach the goal. We have within our possession the power to reach the goal. Second, the means of growth for reaching the goal are at hand. Third, we must not stop nor be satisfied short of the goal. No matter how high the standard, nor how great the difficulties in the way, we must not stop trying to reach the goal. What Paul has here in mind is the part which all Christians are to play in the life of the body of Christ. There are no exceptions, for all in the church are members of the body and as such endowed with some gift, some gift of grace. It is the ascended Lord who has bestowed these gifts by first sending His gift par excellence, namely the Holy Spirit. So He calls us to attain the goal that He has for us in the church. 
and He equips us in order to reach that goal. And so we must strive to follow Him in faith in order to come to terms with the grace that He has imparted to us and given us the gifts. He gives us grace for reaching the goal that Christ has for His church. We must never take our eyes away from the grace of God. We are always to remember that we are not Christians because we deserve to be Christians. We have not been brought out of death into life, as 1 John teaches, because of any merit of our own. The whole Christian transaction whereby we cease to live unto sin and begin to live unto God is all of grace. God's grace. God has given us what we need. God has delivered us from sin and it's by His grace. We need not concern ourselves with working our way toward what God has given us freely. But we do have a responsibility once we have been empowered with the gifts of grace. Two things strike us about this grace. This free gift of Christ toward those who are His own. First, there is its impartiality in Ephesians verse 7 of chapter 4. But unto each one of us was the grace given, not to just a few out of the church, not just to the pastors and teachers and leaders, but unto each one of us. Although according to the measure of the gift of Christ, the capacity of one member might exceed that of another, no member of his church is left completely dispossessed of a gift. His gifts are measured not by any favoritism on God's part, for His love is everywhere and toward all the same. God's grace is impartial. It is given to all of us. It is freely given and we are on a level playing field and we need not feel inferior if we by faith receive this gift of grace. We have the tendency in life to compare ourselves to others, don't we? It's part of who we are as human beings. It's difficult for us not to. We have a certain standard that we maintain. We have a certain standard when we come to church as to what is acceptable and appropriate to wear, right? And if you come and it's not acceptable and appropriate, as you look at the people around you, you soon become uncomfortable, don't you? If you are overdressed, you take note of it. If you are underdressed for the occasion, you take note of it, don't you? So we do compare ourselves to one another. It's the nature of being human. And we do it in all areas of our lives, regardless of what is before us. We compare ourselves to one another. God is saying that His grace makes us all the same. That's important to know. Because if we are to move forward... With Christ, we must come together as one in Him. And we are one in Him when we consider ourselves equal to one another and the equalizer is grace. But second, there is its individuality in verse 11. God's gifts are specifically fitted to the capacity of each individual to receive them. It follows, therefore, that each person in the church has a task cut out for that person according to the measure of the gift of Christ in equipping the person to do the task. 
Paul says, and he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, and this is not a complete list. We all have a gift of grace. It's up to us to work at discovering that gift. And the way we can discover that gift is spending time in His presence, in His Word, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Paul makes it plain that the bestowal of Christ's gifts of the ministry has a specific purpose in view. This is that all God's people may be equipped by the functions which His servants perform in order that they in turn may discharge their service as Christians in the world. When we come together as one under the grace of God, we can accomplish the goal that Christ has for us in bringing people to Him. That Christ's churches are not challenging our, sin, challenging our sin-sodden society and moving the needy world toward God is not His fault. He has given His people the grace to move toward the goal of the measure of the stature of God in Christ. We have the power within us by God's grace. We hold back because of our lack of faith. And a lack of faith leads to fear. And fear leads to doing nothing. We have a responsibility to step out in faith and allow God's grace to gift us with what it is He would have for us to do. Many people live frustrated lives because they never grow in their relationship to Jesus Christ. They have a relationship that begins at conversion and then they go nowhere else with it and they become very frustrated and live a life of frustration because they never grow in their relationship. You know how that is, right? If you have a child that is not growing or a baby that is not developing, we get worried about it, don't we? And it causes a great deal of angst in our lives when that occurs. We will spend numerous thousands of dollars in order to try to correct that problem because we know that something's wrong and it will not come out to a good ending. Well, the same could be said of our Christian lives. If we are stunted in our growth as a Christian, we can never attain the goal that Christ has for us. Growth toward the goal Christ has for His church can be seen in these verses. Paul says in this passage in verse 15, We may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, even Christ. Paul calls some in the church at Corinth who had not grown babes in Christ. He was saying to them, You haven't grown a bit as Christians since the day you were converted. You are baby Christians, holy and mature. How many Christians, how may Christians grow? Christian growth be attained then? What are the means Paul gives for us to grow? He gives us several suggestions. First, we grow by stability of Christian convictions in verse 14. In typical fashion, Paul mixes his metaphors here using first the unstable nature of the child and then an unanchored ship driven about in a turbulent sea to describe their stability. Instability of Christian convictions is one sure sign of immaturity of Christian character while stability is a sure means of growth. There is such a thing as Christian certitude as the rock of ages. For our feet as a standard in religion, God's word as an anchor and stay for our faith. 
Apart from certainty of faith and stability of convictions, we don't grow very much. We have to be sure of what we believe. We have to be sure of our convictions. We live in a world that throws all kinds of information at us in all kinds of ways and all kinds of shapes and all kinds of forms, doesn't it? We never have arguments in our house anymore, um, well, about things we're talking about. If you want to know something, you Google it, don't you? Those of you who don't know what that is, see us after church and we'll explain, okay? But if you want to know when somebody died or what their age is, some personality, celebrity, what do you do? You go in, you put their name in, and all this information comes up about them. You know, and we were into, when watching the Olympics and enjoying the Olympics. And I said, well, you remember Florence Griffith Joyner? Flo Jo, some of you may not remember her, but she was in the 84 Olympics for sure. And she died at 38 years old. And I had forgotten. See, some of you didn't even know. She died at 38 years old in her sleep from a seizure. You know how I know all that? I looked it up yesterday. That's why I'm telling you. I looked it up yesterday. I know that to be the case. Very sad story. But she passed away. She was an American sprinter in the uh, track and field. And other things. I was watching a little bit of a movie yesterday about Howard Hughes. I put in Howard Hughes. You know, he's a fascinating fellow. Howard Hughes and just read all this stuff about Howard Hughes. When he died and how eccentric he was and all that kind of thing. So you can find information everywhere. And some of that information is accurate and some of it is not. And you have to be the one to decipher that. And if you have conviction of Christian faith, then anything that you see that does not measure up can immediately be picked out. But you have to learn it on your own with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to have convictions. Instability in the Christian walk comes when we don't have convictions about truth. We grow by sincerity of Christian love. But speaking truth in love, the marginal reading says, but dealing truly in love. The problem is that we have no verb for truth in English, while the Greek does. Literally, Paul says, but truthing in love. The import of his words is that our manner of life is to be sincere and true, thinking truly, speaking truly, dealing truly, And all in a spirit of genuine love without diversions to divide our allegiance, without hypocrisy to deny our witness, without divisions to hinder our purpose in Him. Truthing in love, love for Christ, for one another, and for those who are lost. The third thing, we grow by the solidarity of the Christian community in Ephesians 4 verses 15 and 16. Again, Paul uses the figure of the human body from whom all the body fitly framed and knit together through that which every joint supplies. Verse 16. All the members of the church are knit and joined together. Every member is joined to every other member. What is for the good of one is for the good of all. And what causes the hurt for one is for the injury of all. Where there is no solidarity of purpose and unity of spirit in the church, there can be no growth. We act as a dysfunctioning body unless we are together in grace. 
That's easy to illustrate, isn't it? You remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you about uh, my trip. And when we got back to Illinois, I thought we were stranded because I couldn't get the gas lit up on the car. You remember that? And I worked and worked and worked. And you know how the story came out. Finally, Janet came out. We pushed the lock on the car and realized that the, the uh, lid would come up. Well, you think about it. There, that car weighs about 2,100 pounds. And there I was sitting at the gas station. I had 89 miles left to go. And I couldn't open the gas lid to put gas in. So it would have been quite a sight seeing Janet pushing that car down the interstate, wouldn't it? <laughs> it just doesn't function properly that way, does it? And I probably wouldn't function properly long after that either. But it doesn't function that way. It all has to work together, doesn't it? But you think about it. Just think about that one story. If the gas lid won't open and you can't put gas in the tank, then I don't care what else the car can do, it can't do any of it, can it? For very long. Till the battery's gone. The same can be said of what Paul is saying here. He is saying that if we are to be what we are supposed to be in relationship to him and his church, we will be one. The greatness of the goal Christ has for his church is the third thing. How great and how high is Christ's goal for his church? Listen how Paul takes us step by step to the top. After naming the gifts that Christ through grace gives to individuals in the church, he tells why. In verse 12 he says, For the perfecting of the saints. The word translated perfecting means mending. The same word that is used where we are told of fishermen mending their nets, where members of the church may be quick-tempered, gossips, busybodies, and empty-headed. Paul calls us to mend these things. Why? Unto the work of ministering, unto the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 12. This is to the end that Christ might have a fit and usable instrument through which he can nurture his saints, grow his children, and save the lost. He goes on in verse 13. Till we all attain. Christ's ideal for his church is not for just a few choice souls who excel, not for just a few who reach the top, but for every member of his church all of his own, the work of the ministers who are Christ's gifts to the church has this end in view, namely that the church will be built up until its final state is reached. The master theme is growth spiritually of the believers. But Paul moves higher yet. Till we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God until a full-grown man. Paul is saying till we all attain his standard of unity and maturity, full grown and united, no difference of opinion, hear this, in the Lord, no divergences of conviction, no division of spirit. We say surely that that is the top. We can come no nearer to perfection than that. But he isn't finished. The goal is one step higher. Listen to the grand and soaring height of the goal. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
humans can move no nearer God's likeness than that. Thinking like Christ is in, on our minds. Loving like Christ in our hearts. Resembling Christ in our lives. Giving ourselves to the purposes of God as He gave Himself. Reminding people of God because we are fashioned in the likeness of the Son. Do you see the point of this great passage? Paul lays tremendous emphasis on the church. The body of believers. Not on its size but on its soul quality. He had a burning desire to win souls, but he believed with all his heart that exalted Christian character within the church was the surest means of doing this. He wants us to be all that we are capable of being through his grace and by our faith. Now when we speak of differences of opinion, we mean differences of opinion related to spiritual things. We should be together spiritually. I'm not talking about a difference of opinion about the color of the carpet. A difference of opinion about how we should do certain things from a business model or perspective. I'm talking about being of the same mind in Jesus Christ. Didn't Paul say, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus? He is saying that if you will walk with Christ, you will grow. And as you grow, people will come to know the Lord because they will see Jesus in you. We've all been, most all of us, I guess, have been watching some of the Olympics. It's been saturated on our TVs. And we know an athlete who desires to be effective on game day must first be properly trained. They talk about their training regimens, don't they? They talk about the swimmers. They just finished up swimming have enjoyed swimming. What is it, 10,000 calories a day? Oh, to be a swimmer. in order to maintain. But an athlete must be properly trained. He must spend many hours keeping himself in shape and developing his skills to a high degree. If he does not, he will not be able to accomplish all that he wishes when it is time to play the game, will he? It takes practice. It takes training. And many of them, they go from one Olympics to the other, don't they? They'll take a month off and they'll start training for the next four years, won't they, to get ready. It takes work. To be a follower of Jesus Christ as we are called to be followers of Jesus Christ, it takes work. And Christians who desire to be effective in the work of ministry must also realize that the public moment of any effective ministry is always preceded by many hours of careful preparation. Effective ministry will never be done by a weak and unhealthy church whose members neglect regular participation and sacrificial service in the things of the Lord. I ran across this quote about God and how we relate to the world and to God. It says, God has a name. The misery on the earth is nameless. The evil among men is nameless. For the powers of darkness love to be without a name. Nameless, anonymous letters. Letters without signatures are usually vulgar. But God is no writer of anonymous letters. God puts His name on everything that He does. Everything that He affects. And says, God has no need to fear the light of day. And neither do we. Through faith, 
we can come to terms with His grace that gifts us to be what He has called us to be. This comes home to us and we cannot avoid it. We emphasize so many times quantity but not quality. We glory in reports but we do not demand repentance. We have width and breadth but neither height nor depth. Our churches grow in size but do our members grow spiritually? It is useless to add members who do not grow in Christ. We are cursed with a low ideal. We are plagued with an unworthy contentment. We are satisfied for short, far, far short of the goal. Let us pray over this passage until a blaze is kindled in our hearts because I really believe that Satan rejoices in our lack of doing what God has called us to do and telling us that we're safe, that we're okay because we have made that initial commitment to Him. But with that initial commitment comes responsibility and that responsibility comes through faith and recognizing God's grace has brought you up from the pit, the miry pit and placed you on a rock and named that rock Jesus. He calls to us. Paul understood that when he wrote, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Put Christ first. Allow his grace to permeate your entire being. And step out on faith and allow God to use you. Shall we pray? Gracious Lord, we are grateful that Paul has laid out through the inspired word what your goal is for us in relationship to you and your church. Help us, Father, to come to terms with who we are and what our responsibility is as we are given grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation to faith and fellowship hymn is number 389, to worship, work, and witness. We are called to do all three, and we are empowered to do that with no excuses through the gifts of grace. Will you stand as we sing? To worship, work, and witness The good news spread abroad We magnify thy mission Church of the living God, the Father's new creation, through Jesus Christ his Son, the Spirit has empowered to do as Christ has done. Be thine, thy master's purpose To seek and save the lost To ransom those in bondage To dare nor count the cost To love and lift the lowly To heed the prison 
to take up others' burdens and bear them as thine own. Be thou to Christ his body, hold fast to Christ thy Thank you for being a part of this service today. We didn't do too bad. I'm a 25-minute preacher, so uh, I have to get that in, or it's, I'm not comfortable the rest of the week. Um, don't forget the funeral here on Tuesday for Tommy Metz at 11 o'clock. Visitation tomorrow from 5 to 8 at Bennett's Funeral Home on Lee Davis Road. You know, Tommy was here for many years, for several years, and used to sit back here on my right uh, with Doris, his wife, in the times that I've been here. And, he fought a long battle, and it has come to an end. And so we want to uh, honor him and remember him and worship the Lord on Tuesday as we come together for his memorial service. Also, because we didn't do benevolence last week, we're doing benevolence this week in, in uh, conjunction with doing uh, communion because we had Youth Sunday. So there will be deacons at the door to receive your offering if you uh, so choose to be a part of the benevolence offering this month. Remember, it goes to help people who are in need uh, in the Mechanicsville uh, area. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day that you've given to us, we are grateful for the power of your grace to transform us and to give us meaning and purpose and a goal. And that goal is to share you with the world. May we do so, Father. May we constantly be remembered or reminded of what you have done and what you continue to do through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.